Before I begin, I got a question earlier about why is that we've covered our, our statues and the, the image of Jesus. Uh, the answer is because we are approaching the season of Lent called Passion Tide. Passion Tide is where you and I kind of gear up toward and kind of march toward the season of Easter and really kind of fast from a lot of, a lot of things. So if, this is kind of where fasting gets more and more intense. It will continue to kind of ramp up up until the, the Good Friday, Holy Saturday fast. And part of that fasting will be to fast from sacred images so that, that we can, whenever Easter comes, we can feast and really recognize the glory whenever they return. Um, so before, but one of the things that I think is one of the more neglected sacraments, and I think is to much to our detriment, is the sacrament of confession. Uh, if you talk to a lot of people, we, we kind of look at the sacrament of confession as if it's kind of like a, a place of shame, something that you only go to unless you're really, really, really bothered, uh, a place where, where, where you go to unless you're, you're afflicted with guilt. Um, and, but, but ironically, even though people kind of, and even though the, kind of the, the idea of confession has kind of been condemned over the years, uh, everybody nowadays has a therapist, and everybody goes to, to a psychologist, and that's like become a very common uh, practice whenever they're really, the only difference between a psychologist and a, and a confession or a therapy session and confession is A, the confession is a lot shorter, the confession is cheaper, and the confession you actually get forgiven for your sins. This was, this was a point that, uh, that a Jewish psychologist made to Cardinal Dolan one day whenever they were having coffee together. So I think that's a very important point that, you know, we might, we, we, the, 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 the art of the beauty of confession is very much there to give us those same graces that we need whenever we need to unveil our deepest, darkest secrets. But I think the bigger question, I think a question that a lot of people ask, is why do I go to confession? <clears throat> why, do I, why would I go to confession to confess my sins to a man when I could just go to God? Whenever I could just confess in the, in the privacy and the quiet of my own home? And I think that's a, that's a more important question. I think that's a better question than, than why should I just go at all? Why go when you could, in theory, just go to God? Uh, and, and I think that question can kind of be answered in today's gospel, but it could also be answered in a lot of different ways. Um, for one, anytime you and I sin, we're not just singing, sinning against God. We're not just sinning against, against Him who looks upon us. Whenever we sin, we sin against others. Whenever we steal, whenever we lie, whenever we commit any type of, any type of lustful action, we are sinning not against Him who looks upon us, but against our fellow man. And so if we simply go to our fellow man to say, I'm sorry, that's wonderful, but we didn't go to God. And if we go to God only to say that we're sorry, that's wonderful, but we didn't go to our fellow man. In other words, whenever we sin, we sin against both God and man, which means that if we are to be forgiven by both God and man, we need to stand before a representative of God who is also a man and that is the priest. The priest represents God and man, thus whenever we can go to the priest, we then can allow the Lord to forgive us of our sins by ultimately allowing man to hold us accountable for our actions while asking God to give us the grace to be healed of our sins. So that's kind of the first philosophical reason. There's a lot of biblical reasons, a lot of biblical kind of scripture passages where Jesus makes it very clear that it is men who ultimately Basically, forgive sin. Whenever St. Peter professed to Jesus and said that you are the Christ, the Son of God, basically Jesus looked at Peter and said, whatever you bind on earth, 
will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's the same thing. That, 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 that translation ultimately goes, and basically that interpretation applies to sin. More directly, in John 20.20, 20, Jesus looks at His apostles, all of His apostles, not just Peter, and says, whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. He didn't just say, like, hey, anybody, I'll, I'll forgive all the sins. You guys, you guys have a free ride. No, He says, it is you who have the power to relieve people of sin. And you who have the power to ultimately kind of hold people to their sin and hold them accountable for their sin. It is you who forgive sins through me. And even, even later still, St. James specifically says, confess your sins to one another. So there's a tradition of ultimately going to man within the early church, within the words of Jesus, to ultimately go to confession to man. But then there becomes a question. Well, how does all that work? How is it that, you know, that, I mean, ultimately, uh, the priest is just the man. How does that ultimately work if Jesus is the one who forgives sins? Another great question. St. Augustine says that that question is answered, actually, of all places, in today's gospel passage. If you ever want to see how sin works, if you ever want to see what happens whenever we sin and kind of how sin ultimately plays out, especially mortal sin, those are those grave sins that really cut to the heart of God and really cut us off from the grace of God. If you ever want to see how it works, read this passage again. The passage of Lazarus. Lazarus, according to St. Augustine, is the perfect image of what happens whenever you and I commit mortal sin and go directly against God's will by ultimately choosing ourselves and our neighbors over Him. And what happens? Lazarus is a symbol of that. Lazarus dies. But he's not just a quick death. This is a four-day death, basically him being dead for four days. Now, what does that mean? In Jewish theology, whenever somebody dies, the soul hangs around for three days, and on the fourth, the soul leaves. That's why there's kind of generally a watchman at the tomb, just in case the person might not resurrect, but what we call reanimate, kind of the soul returning to the body. It wouldn't happen that much, but I guess apparently back then that happened occasionally. This was before the days of embalming and whatnot. And so... We kind of had that scenario here where Lazarus, Lazarus died. Jesus waited two days to really emphasize the point that Lazarus has died. Lazarus is actually dead. Now, that, therein lies the question. So, so what ultimately happens? What do we see here? We see Lazarus dead, and then ultimately that is a symbol of sin. Whenever we sin, we lose life. When we sin, we lose grace. When we sin, we lose the animation of God that allows us to function with Him. Thus, hence the term mortal, deadly, mortal sin leads to our death. And so what ultimately happens? Why, why, does, why does God allow us to do that? God allows us to sin, and God allows sin so that we might see His mercy. So that we might see His resurrection. So that we might see His power. I think that's something we often forget. I think we, we often look at sin and we just we get very, very angry. And rightly so. We should, sin, is, sin is not an option for us. But we fall into it. You know, it's just kind of part of life. Original sin is a part of us. And we can get frustrated with that. But, but the reality is, God allows it. He doesn't allow it to condone it. He allows it so that He can show us mercy. That's kind of the one thing that, that God can't show if there were not sin. Mercy. 
We need sin for us to ultimately see the glorious, compassionate light of God. And that's why Jesus allows Lazarus to die, to reveal his compassion. And so what happens? He allows Lazarus to get to die, and then he goes forward, and he goes to the tomb of Lazarus, and then what happens? Jesus wept. So it's not like he indifferently allowed him to die. Eh, whatever, I'll just raise him up later. No, there's a pain there. There's a pain to watching somebody die in sin. And that pain afflicts Jesus to his human heart. That pain, that pain hurts him. And that's why we see him weeping in today's gospel. And it says, the Jews said, see how he loved them. It's an acknowledgement of how much God loves us. And so then Jesus does something. Jesus says, and he tells his disciples at the cave, take away the stone. My friends, Jesus is Jesus. Jesus can do whatever he wishes, whatever he wants at a given moment. If he wanted to take away the stone with his own divine power, like baby Yoda in, in you know, in, this, in the, 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 what is that called? What is that? Um, well, I want to say the Cimmerillion, but whatever that, that new movie is called by Disney, whatever. I don't watch a lot of TV. He could have done it. He could have just removed the stone right then and there. And then ultimately, no, that wasn't it. I almost had the word. Shoot. Can somebody help? What is that thing called? The what? The Mandalorian, thank you. That was going to bother me this whole homily. All right, thank you for that. The Mandalorian, all right. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose not to use those tactics. Instead, ultimately, he used his disciples. He used his apostles. And that's what he does with priests. He uses them. My friends, God empowers his people to carry out his will. He did that from the very creation of Adam and Eve. He could have easily created man himself, but instead he gave those powers to man and to woman to be co-creators along with him in the same way he gave the powers to forgive sin to his apostles to ultimately be handed down to his priests. And that's what happens every time a priest sits in the confessional. He rolls away the tomb. He rolls away the stone. So that those who have died in sin, those of us who have been subjected to sin, those of us who have passed away because of our sin, can be exposed to the glory of Jesus Christ. Can be exposed to His mercy. Can be exposed to His love. And that's what Jesus ultimately symbolizes by looking at His apostles and saying, take away the stone. Make yourself available for confession. And now there's a fear there. There's going to be a stench. He's been dead for four days. People come up to me, Father, I don't know how you hear all those confessions. That must be terrible. Who cares? You do it. You tell, just like you take out the trash, you do it. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter the stench. You do it. And what does Jesus say? He continues to follow through. But then something happens. Jesus prays. Jesus sees the sin and he prays in the same way he prayed right before the passion of the cross, right before he died on the cross, he prayed, and then he looked at Lazarus, and he said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. That moment is the same moment in which Jesus cries out to you and to me to go to him in confession and experience his healing mercy. Lazarus, come out. You might as well put your name right there if you've been dwelling in mortal sin for a long time. Come out. Come out of your sin. 
come out of the cave, come out of the darkness, and come into the light. But let's be honest. That's a hard thing to do, especially if you haven't been in a while. It's hard to expose the fact that you've died. It's hard to expose the sin. It's hard to expose the stench, and it's hard to be truly vulnerable with another human being. And that's what's going on. Ultimately, Jesus is crying out to you and to me to come and meet him in his mercy and his love. And many of us, many of us in our shame and in our weakness, prefer to stay in the darkness, prefer to stay in the tomb. But Lazarus chose otherwise. Lazarus chose to meet his friend Jesus Christ. And he comes out in all of his, in all of his I would say glory, but it's really in all of his kind of dirtiness and all of his grime and all of his guilt. And what, does, what happens? Lazarus is, is, is bound by cloths and covered by a wrap. That's a symbol of sin. St. Thomas Aquinas articulates that sin ultimately binds the will, meaning you and I are unable to do and work with God, and it blinds the mind. You and I are unable to think clearly about what is right and wrong. In the same way, Lazarus, Lazarus tied together with his guilt, is bound in his will and blind in his mind. That is what happens whenever you and I sin. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus looks at his apostles and he says, unbind him. Unbind him. In other words, my friend, it is Jesus who forgives the sin. It is Jesus who works the miracle. It is Jesus who raises us from the dead. But it is the priest who fundamentally unbinds us. In the same way, the apostles unbound Lazarus from his guilt. My friends, the priest is the unbinder. The priest is the one to free us from our guilt. The priest is the one to free us from our pain. And that is ultimately the beauty of this passage. And so, my dear friends, I want to encourage us to go and experience the freedom of confession. Go and experience the freedom of God's love and allow Jesus to rise us from the dead, to free us from our darkness, and allow his apostles in the, in the stance of the priest to unbind us from our guilt. Amen.